Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad... To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's favorite free online social casino. You too could have the chance to win life-changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner. Welcome into another edition of Gamecock Central Radio. I am uh, Wes Mitchell. He is Chris Clark coming at you again, as always, live from our Gamecock Central studios in Columbia, South Carolina. A uh, beautiful Friday, getting ready for um, an SEC matchup between South Carolina and Florida at noon on Saturday. Uh, Chris, South Carolina, I believe opened about an eight-and-a-half point underdog. Um, it's an underdog role South Carolina is used to uh, being in this season. But I, I think um, if you look at a lot of the different things that have happened the last couple of weeks, uh, Carolina finally back at home, um, I get the sense a lot of people um, around this program feel like if Carolina is going to pull an SEC upset down the stretch um, with the way they've played the last two games, uh, this might be uh, their best chance. If you kind of looked at those three games, uh, you know, together, mm-hmm. this game might have been their best one to, to steal one from an SEC school. Yeah, I agree. Because, you know, number one, it's at home. It's not a It's not a road game. Um, you look at how this team has improved. Now, that hasn't come in the form of wins, and there's certainly a lot for South Carolina to continue on working on. Uh, that's even on offense, too. I mean, we've talked a lot about how the offense has improved, but they've left points on the board. They've made mistakes um, that have prevented them from scoring points where they probably could have, should have scored points. And then, obviously, the defense is the area that has really needed to improve. Uh, they showed some improvement um, especially stopping the run in the second through the fourth quarter against Tennessee, but there's still a lot of concerning plays in that game. So, you know, Florida is funny because they're the SEC East champions, yet that, that division's sort of been all over the place uh, within the SEC. And then, um, you know, they still have some vulnerabilities, though, that South Carolina can potentially exploit. When you look at their offense, you know, instead of Will Greer's Treon Harris, who brings sort of a different look but isn't as adept of a downfield passer. Um, You know, you look at Florida's game against Vanderbilt, and it was a very underwhelming performance, which can happen to any team. Maybe they come out and look great this weekend. But I think it's given people, Gamecock fans, a little bit more hope that, you know, South Carolina can go out and and play better and sort of build on what they've been doing. It's still going to be a big challenge. And I think another reason that, people look at this game as as more winnable for South Carolina is when you look at Florida's injury situation. Now, it's improved actually a lot. I mean, there was one time when it looked like they may have, what, two, you know, two or three starters out and some other key contributors. Uh, They will have Joey Ivey, who's a backup D-tackle, out. They'll have uh, Jordan Sherritt suspended for the first half. 
and they've got some other guys banged up. As the week has gone along, it's looked like Jonathan Bullard has gone from doubtful to may play, which really hurts South Carolina because he's one of the best D linemen in the country. So that scenario, that situation with the uh, injuries looks better for the Gators. I think that's something that people are factoring in with South Carolina's chances here. But still a game that if they play very well, you know, is winnable. I think it is a winnable game. Yeah, and, uh, you know, it's one of those things uh, I think um, probably going to be a little bit different type of game, I, I think, than the Texas A&M game, the Tennessee game. I think you looked at you looked at those two offenses and the way they were putting up points. Um, uh, you know, not necessarily Texas A&M didn't come into that game putting up a lot of points, but you knew that offense had the capability to put up a lot of points against South Carolina's defense. Uh, you looked at Tennessee, they scored a ton against Kentucky the week before, albeit some of those were um, turnover and special teams uh, points. But, uh, you know, you look at this game, I think probably a little bit more of a low-scoring type game. Uh, South Carolina going to have to, um, you know, like you talked about, uh, offense going to have to maximize their opportunities in the red zone because you're probably not going to get many um, against this Florida defense. This this might actually, especially when healthy, but um, this might still be, I, I think, the best defense South Carolina is going to see uh, this season, um, or at least is in the conversation. So I, I'm interested to see what wrinkles uh, we see Elliott, we see G.A. Mangus continue to install because, you know, I, I thought the last two weeks one of the big, uh, you know, you mentioned Jonathan Bullard. That's obviously big for, for Florida. They've got him instead of him sitting out. Uh, but, you know, I, I think a big part of Carolina's game plan the last two weeks has been doing things to kind of minimize the opponent's pass rush, uh, you know, more screens. I, I thought I thought the screen game was very good against A&M. One thing I noticed against Tennessee, they obviously had done their homework. Um, they pretty much shut down the running back screen game um, against South Carolina. Carolina kind of had to adjust. Uh, Hit, they did, I guess, hit a few wheel routes um, against Tennessee to the running backs, but um, I, I thought that was interesting how Tennessee kind of took that away from them. So I'm, I'm anxious to see what potential changes we, we see from G.A. Mangus, we see from this offense this week, because it is really not going to be easy for the offense to move the ball, I don't think, the way they have um, the last couple of weeks. And, uh, you know, then I, I think another intriguing kind of storyline this week is uh, for anyone who listened to Sean Elliott's call-in show last night, you know, you've heard more and more about how he has had his fingerprint on the defense. He's talked about how he keeps encouraging on the headset for uh, John Hoke to take some chances, send more pressure. I, I think that's something we've all been asking for all season long. Um, and uh, Elliott doing those things as far as asking for that as well. Um and, you know, I think people maybe forget, but even though Sean Elliott is an offensive coach, um, he was a defensive player at Appalachian State, so he does understand defense. He's a sharp football mind. Um, I uh, I think you could see as that game went on against Tennessee, South Carolina uh, blitzing more often, and I think they're going to have to continue to do that this week. Yeah, exactly, and you know, I think the, the defense is, is going to continue, I think, to be a big question mark until they can put together a complete game. And that, and that doesn't mean the offense has put together a complete game yet. E- even when you look at the performances against Tennessee or A&M where they 
really looked a lot better just in terms of the play calling and some of the types of plays they executed and, and being able to score points, put points on the scoreboard. There's still things they could do better. There's no doubt about that. But I think a lot of people are focusing on the defense and saying, okay, can Florida, you know, are they as strong as Tennessee or Texas A&M? Is, it, is that a better matchup for South Carolina? I think it is a better matchup, but they're still going to have to play a lot better on defense. You know, they're, they're still going to have to be aggressive, try to pressure the quarterback. I think showing some different looks, um, being more aggressive, that's something that I think benefited the team later in the game against Tennessee where they came out in that game against the Vols and really it just looked like the exact same thing. It, it looked like a broken record. Uh, based on what we had already seen this season, where Tennessee just marches down the field and puts 14 points on the board before you can bat an eye. And so I think after that, yeah, they they just played better, period, especially against the run, but I think they did some things differently. So USC's going to have to shake it up on that side of the ball. And, you know, the personnel is what it is, but they've got to get the best personnel out there consistently. And then I think they're going to have to do some things to mix it up and make the offenses uh, think a little bit more and something that John Hope pointed out is that Florida does a lot of different things with their personnel groupings and tries to create some confusion there with matchups and so they'll have to be sort of on their P's and Q's with that aspect of it as well and just go play um, but offensively you know they, they've got to do some things differently there too and I don't think people are as worried about that because they've, they've done that they did it against Vanderbilt they did it against A&M. They did it against Tennessee, and we'll continue, I think, seeing more of that, whether it's you know, different formations or utilizing Nunez and Cooper in different ways. Um, and certainly they're going to have to counter Florida's pressure. You know, Even if they're not at full strength, even if the guys aren't at 100% along that D-line, their back seven is very, very good. They're going to have to give Perry Orr some easy throws, some easy completions. They're going to have to move the pocket and things of that nature to try to slow down Florida and, and make their guys think a little bit. If they get into, you know, third and long and they have to just drop back and pass, that's going to be tough. That's going to be really tough against the Gators because of how they can cover in that secondary and because of their pass rushing ability. Yeah, I, uh, you know, you mentioned Nunez and mentioned Farrow Cooper. Um, one thing one thing I've liked is actually how – Mangus has used Orth in, in the running game. You know, you don't really think of Perry Orth as being an incredibly fast dude, but um, he he's they've called those plays at the right times, and it, it's worked out very very well. I think uh, slowing down uh, the pass rush a bit and getting a few uh, chunk play. I mean, you had a 67 yarder against A and M. Uh, th- that quarterback draw is just, uh, especially when a defense is spread out and has two safeties back. Um, very very difficult to defend just from a number standpoint um and really i think stands to to make the defensive line kind of uh uh play a little more true as opposed to just firing off in the in a pass rush um so i've liked that one thing i've actually been surprised and i think elliot mentioned it on his calling show i've been a little bit surprised given how much mangus always has liked the idea of the running quarterback i've been a little bit surprised at how uh little we've seen pharaoh cooper in the uh, Wildcat since Mangus uh, took over play calling duties. Um, you know, Lorenzo Nunez, it seemed like we were probably going to see a little bit more from him going into last week, but then uh, had some issues, I guess, with communication and uh, I guess kind of found his way to the sideline because of that. They didn't use him the rest of the way, but um, 
you know, some talk from Elliott that they could use him more in some various ways this week. So I, I think that's something, um, like you said, you know, South Carolina's probably not going to be able to just drop back and throw the ball against Florida. Vernon Hargraves and really the, that entire secondary is very, very good. Um, but I don't, I don't know if they're necessarily going to be able to go, you know, inside zone and, and pound the ball on them either. I, I think they're going to have to do a lot of different things. And sometimes we've seen, you know, in games, it hasn't always hit for Carolina, but sometimes we've seen when nothing else works, their best play has been just to, um, especially last year, you know, or put Farrah Cooper, um, the last couple of years, really put Farrah Cooper in the Wildcat and see if he can, uh, you know, make guys miss, see if you can give him a chance, especially when you consider Florida um, probably has the talent in their secondary to, to limit Farrah Cooper's touches. Uh, you know, getting Farrow involved like that, um, getting Nunez involved with the quarterback running game um, might just be what South Carolina has to do because sometimes against these great defenses, uh, having a dynamic runner, uh, at quarterback where you can just direct snap it to him. Some, sometimes uh, that can be the, the great equalizer, I feel like. Yeah, and, and that is true. And on the other hand, uh, you know, South Carolina doesn't have the capability to go out there and overpower out-athlete Florida. You know, they, they can't just line up and say, okay, we're going to run these plays on offense and our guys are going to get past your guys and we're going to block your defensive linemen and we're going to run these plays. And that's why, you know, they, they don't have the capability to do that against many teams because, again, they don't have um, – their skill position players either aren't as experienced or, or not ready or they just don't have the juice um, in that department. There, there aren't a bunch of, you know, speed guys and tackle breakers and, and guys who can make you miss in the open field and just run past you. So – you got to adapt. You got to adjust, and that's why I think people have been pleased with the ways that they've gotten the ball in in their receivers' hands, the ways that they've adapted with the run game and, and given Perry or some easier throws and things like that. Um, they're going to have to do that against Florida too. Um, they can't just line up and and just beat them straight up just with their athleticism. They're not at that point with how recruiting's gone. So, yeah, they can put Cooper there, and I would anticipate they'll do that and try to move him around and create some matchups for him. And same thing with some of their other players, Jarrell Adams, for example, or you're using the two-back set. But I think they're really going to have to execute and take care of the ball and just be creative and maybe try to use Florida's aggressiveness and Florida's athleticism and speed against them. Um, I, think, I think we'll see some different types of plays, even from what we've seen uh, the past three weeks. Yeah, they 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 gotta continue to mix it up, uh, find different ways to do that, and find ways to get Farrah Cooper the ball. Um, so so that'll all be interesting. O- overall, though, um, I I do think it is safe to say, even though he's been a long shot, um, to actually get the permanent head coaching job. Um, I've I've been personally kind of uh, uh, dumb, dumbfounded, I guess would be the word, how some of some of the folks on our uh, message boards at GamecockCentral.com, which, by the way, uh, shameless plug, if you're not already, already on there, uh, you can sign up with what I believe a 30-day free trial is what we got going right now, Chris. Uh, yep, that's correct. With um, Gamecock30 as your promo code, um, or Gamecocks30 with your pro- as your promo code. Um, you know, check that out. But I- I've been amazed that some people, um, and pro- probably a vocal minority of people but um 
how how can anyone have much of a problem with Sean Elliott at this point? Um, does he look likely to get the job? No, but he was really facing a near impossible impossible task in the first place. So um, I think he's pushed all kinds of right buttons. I think he's very much um, done some resume building for himself. Some AD out there is paying attention and has noticed this. There's no doubt in my mind of that. Um, I, I don't see how anyone could have, find much fault when you consider the immense uh, shoulder load placed on Sean Elliott. I, I can't find much fault in, in what he's done. Yeah, I mean, I think he's done a lot of positive things. I think <clears throat> the, the area, again, that a lot of people have pointed to is the defense because we didn't see a whole lot different from them uh, the first couple weeks. Now against Vanderbilt, who of course is not an offensive juggernaut, South Carolina did play pretty well defensively. They gave up some yards, and there's still some some concerning plays there, but they had five turnovers and you know held Vanderbilt to ten points. So, I mean, y- you don't really complain about that too much, and their only touchdown was after a turnover, if I'm remembering correctly. So um, now the A&M game, you know that 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 was a concerning game, and but I do think Elliot looked at it and he said, okay, well, you know we got to do something different, and I think he sort of instituted those changes. Whereas with the offense, um, which is of course the side of the ball that he's coached on at South Carolina since he arrived in 2010, they went ahead and changed some things, and those changes were immediate. And while it took some time to sort of see the fruits of them, it's been there. And, look, this isn't an easy schedule. Now, Texas A&M and Tennessee, it's not like they're the best teams in the country or anything. It's not like they face two top ten teams on the road. But uh, for any team, any team, those are games that you go in and you say, that that's going to be a difficult game, you know, one way or another. It doesn't really matter who you are. You take one of the, you know, take one of the teams that's in the playoff right now. If you told them you had to go play A&M and, and Tennessee on the road in back-to-back weeks, they'd go, yeah, that's not going to be easy. Now, the, the the thing that people are going to look at always is wins. They're going to say, okay, Elliot, yeah, he's done some good things. He's one and two as an interim coach, and he he faces a tough road going forward. It's hard to see the wins coming, and, and I can understand that. What what people are always going to go back to is wins, but you do have to consider the situation here. This is not a deal where. Sean Elliott's been the head coach of South Carolina for 10 years or fi- or even five years or even one year. You know, he hasn't set the compass of the program. He, he's not uh, been in charge of recruiting. He's not been in charge of, you know, hires. You, you can't just change out every single coach on your staff or, or probably even one or two of them in the middle of the season and just start installing completely different and new things. You can't do that to your players. You know, it, it just doesn't make any sense. So in many ways, he's limited, you know, with what he can do. And all I know is that it's been pretty positive overall in terms of the players and what a lot of people around the program have thought. Is it going to lead to more wins? I, I don't know because they still got to play Florida at home, uh, who's who's a ranked team who's lost one game all season. They got to play the Citadel, and then they've got to play Clemson, who's currently number one at home. You know that's not going to be easy, but but I do think I understand that people look at wins overall. I, I completely understand that, and and South Carolina could they've had chances to win the last couple of weeks. They could be three and zero under Sean Elliott, and I understand that's frustrating for some people. But you do I do agree with you. You got to look at the big picture, 
and and you got to recognize that while it hasn't been perfect, you know, he's certainly done some things to make them more competitive and put them in a better position uh, based on the situation that he was put in. Yeah, and I, I'm certainly not – I'm not a moral victory guy at all. Right, right. It's just uh, <laughs> when – you know, I, I don't think you play the moral victory card when you're talking about – if you're talking about a coach who uh, put together the recruiting plan, uh, put together the staff – Recruited the kids, built the team himself. Uh, you don't talk about moral victories, but obviously Sean Elliott. This is a very unique situation. Um, Sean Elliott was involved in the recruitment of some of these players. He was involved in some aspects of the program prior, but um, he didn't put together this staff. He didn't put together this defensive staff, and uh, he didn't put together the recruiting plan that um, resulted in this team coming together. So. Um, it really, I, I don't think necessarily fair to uh, judge Sean Elliott's ability as a coach when he's essentially having to learn on the fly um, against, like you said, very difficult opponents where South Carolina has just uh, essentially uh, been out-talented in the last two games, I think is safe to say. So um, I guess uh, as we close out here, um, we're going to keep it uh, short and sweet today. Um, do you have, uh, do you, or are you wanting to go on record with a prediction <laughs> for, uh, South Carolina versus Florida? Um, and I, I think, uh, I will say this, I think for a team that's not won many games, uh, and a team that has one SEC win, I think there actually will be an excellent crowd at Williams-Brice Stadium Saturday because it's been a freaking month, so... <laughs> People are starved for some football, I feel like. Um, so I, I, I think it's going to be a great crowd at Williams-Brice Stadium for it to be a noon kickoff. I think some people on the outside looking in will be surprised at the crowd. I think it will be a good atmosphere. And I think the Gamecocks are in this football game in the fourth quarter. Chris Clark, do they win this football game in the fourth quarter? You know, that's the funny thing, Wes. Somebody actually asked me on our board today, you know, what positions would I give the edge to South Carolina over Florida at? And I, I thought about it, and there's not many. There, there's really not. Despite that, I'm actually going to pick the Gamecocks to win this game. Um, and my, our prediction with a little bit more explanation will be up on Gamecock Central shortly, I'm, I'm sure. Um, predictions from all our staff, but I'm going to pick them 16 to 14. So very close, very ugly game. I think it's going to be one that resembles a recent game that was played in Williams Bryce between Will Muschamp's Florida Gators and the Gamecocks. Just sort of an ugly game, not a lot of scoring. Um, I, I think both these teams. I think it could resemble the game that both these teams played against Vanderbilt, where they narrowly won. It was sort of ugly, but it got the job done. And you know, on paper. You know, Florida's more talented. On paper, they had the advantage at more positions and more one-on-one matchups. Um, but I think, you know, South Carolina can do some things defensively to limit what Florida can do. And I think they can make just enough plays on offense and put up just enough points to win. So, um, you know, I've, I've gone against them in several games this year. I picked them to lose against A&M and, and to lose against Tennessee. Um, and I've missed on a couple win predictions, too, but I'm going to – it might be stepping out on a limb, uh, but I'm going to pick them to, to upset the Gators. 
Yeah, and uh, I actually we we sent in our all of our staff sent in our predictions as you said. I think those run every uh, Saturday morning, maybe. Right. Uh, I think it'll be up in the morning. Uh, but I uh, I picked them too. Um, I, I've got uh, I've got twenty four to twenty three. Uh, so wow. the the narrowest of victories. Uh, Florida's going to kick a lot of field goals in this game. Um, which is probably, as I think about it, um, a, a terrible thing to predict, considering how how many field goal issues they've had this year. Uh, but they did kick a game-winning field goal last week, and uh, I think this is an off- a Florida offense that can move the football against South Carolina. But, uh, you know, last week they moved the football against Vanderbilt as well, um, and uh, we're, we're not really able to put it all together at, at all. So, um, you know, I think Carolina – hangs around I think this is the game that you know this team this team has has tried so hard the last couple of weeks um you just got to think something's going to go their way uh they get a bounce or two that uh that maybe goes in their favor I mean maybe not they could get blown out for all we know but um you know I think this is certainly a uh, winnable football game for South Carolina and uh both myself and Chris have the Gamecocks pulling out a uh narrow narrow win um you got it you got any closing thoughts chris or are you good to go i think i'm good to go you know i think again i would i guess i will offer some closing thoughts after i said no but uh you know i think it's going to be a close game either way an ugly game i, I don't think either of these teams are, are in the position right now to just blow the other team off the field i, I don't see that happening so i think it'll be a close one a, a fourth quarter game like the ones that south carolina's played really the, the last few weeks absolutely again he is chris clark i'm wes mitchell thank you for joining us for another edition of gamecock central radio make sure you check out gamecockcentral.com for all of your gamecocks news and if you are not a member check out uh that free trial we're got going right now you get 30 days of free premium access With the promo code GAMECOCKS30. For Chris, I'm Wes. We'll talk to you next time. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad... To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai.